Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Food and Psych podcast, where I, Kimberly Wilson, chartered psychologist and foodie, explore the role of food in our personal lives and consider what the way we eat tells us about who we are. Today's episode was a bit of an indulgence for me because I got to go and spend some time with some of my favourite people. My guest is Becca Lyne Perkis. Many of you will know Becca as a fellow baker on my series of The Great British Bake Off, which is where we met and bonded over a shared love of personal challenges and Thai food. After the series, Becca secured her own television cookery programme in her native Wales, now in its fourth series, and has another exciting project underway, which I will tell you about just as soon as I'm allowed to. In this conversation, I talk to Becca about her food history, the role of food and cooking in her own childhood, and how she passes these important life skills on to her children. We also talk about how she balances being a working mother with two young children and a husband in the military, and how food is an important part of her self-care. As a little side note, the section where she describes her and her husband's meals when he is away and when he arrives home really illustrates for me how central food is to our sense of home and connection to the ones we love. So I'm really grateful to Becca for sharing this little bit of her life with me and all of you. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Becca Lyne Perkis. Okay, so we're here in sunny Cardiff. <laughs> With my friend Becca Lynn Perkins, who some of you will know as a fellow baker on the Great British Bake Off, or for the American listeners, uh, the Great British Baking Show, currently airing on Netflix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good plug, good plug. And um, I'm here not just to catch up with a friend, although that's mostly, honestly, mostly why I'm here, um, but also to talk to Becca about food, how it fits into her life the role that it plays in her family and her work and just to find out really what you're up to. So thanks for having me down. That's all right. Anytime. And people will be able to see from the pictures on the website and over social media that we have just sat down to a delicious plate of Welsh cakes. Not that I'm being too stereotypical there. <laughs> so when people come onto the podcast, I ask them to make something that is meaningful to them and you made Welsh cakes so why did you choose Welsh cakes? It's difficult to know what to make because there's quite a few recipes that mean a lot to me. I think there's the same to you, you probably have an armour of recipes that remind you of different occasions and different people that are you know meaningful to you. Um, I think Welsh cakes is one of those recipes that a lot of people associate with me A because I'm Welsh, surprise surprise. Um, but they're quite 
there's something that I grew up eating and that's going to be, I don't want to sound too stereotypical, but coming from a very Welsh family, uh, both grandmothers um, played a part in my upbringing and Welsh cakes was a recipe that I would do often with my nan. My nan is still alive, Betty, 92. Love her, the legend that is nan. Shout out to Betty. Go, go Betty, go. She would often look after my brother and I when my parents were away working and we'd often find ourselves in the kitchen cooking and baking. Same with my mam ghee, my mum's mum. And Welsh cakes was one of those recipes that we'd make because they're, they're relatively easy to make. As you pointed out earlier when I was making them, that it's something that you'd knock up without even thinking about because, as you saw, I have all the ingredients in my cupboard. Could have made you all manner of things. Um, and do you know what? To me, there's nothing like the smell of when you're grating the nutmeg into the bowl when you're then cooking the first batch on the bake stone. It's just, it instantly transports me back to being with Nan when I was a little girl and helping her roll out the dough, cut out the Welsh cakes and then baking them in batches and eating one warm from the bake stone with a cup of tea is just comfort food I don't make them often I think people expect that I make them quite often but I don't I don't bake often for me and my family a because we don't need to eat baked goods all the time the only thing I probably make often is bread but Welsh cakes is one of those I will make on St David's Day again trying not to be too stereotypical (laughs) but it's a tradition and you know it's important to keep those traditions going and to hand them down to the next generations Um, and also if you make them too often they're not that special Mm -hmm. and I think you really like Welsh cakes so I thought they'd be good to make I might have a secret affection for Welsh cakes (laughs) Um, as, as does Mary oh my gosh yes absolutely and and I think what was really lovely is you just then describing how you were in the kitchen with your grandmother and that she would be there helping you and helping you you were helping her to cut out the dough yeah and I mean today in the kitchen it was very lively but you had both yes. your girls in there with you today we're going to make pick out a man but first we need to put some flour in put some flour and come around is that something you have done deliberately kind of thought out to ensure that they bake with you or is it something that's much more natural how important is it that you cook with them definitely more natural when we were growing up mum and dad would again be in the kitchen they would cook a lot of things from scratch they still do because you know processed foods ready meals were expensive and not the done thing mam's from farming stock and dad's proper cardiff boy but nan would always make everything from scratch as well and they would always you know gareth and i inquisitive children as all children are and we'd wander into the kitchen and for example see dad on a saturday morning making waffles for breakfast you know we'd say, can we help would always say yes I don't remember once my parents saying no you can't help I even remember in the 80s when you know dinner parties were the thing and mum and dad be inviting friends over and we would obviously have to be in bed before the friends would arrive but I would be in my pyjamas I remember it so clearly being in my pyjamas helping mum prepare the Melba toast to go with the chicken liver pate that dad had made earlier that day and the watercress soup they were having as a starter like 
as clear as day I remember that in my pajamas like pushing the time I could go to bed <laughs> but mum and dad still not saying no and I've seen that um, with my girls and mum and dad so whenever they're babysitting the girls at mum and dad's house and mum and dad are preparing supper for them to have it'll be Mary and Alice in their pajamas in the kitchen helping dad chop up vegetables them never saying no and I think that's something back then I obviously didn't think of as important but it's obviously you know it's in my mind and it's something that I know now was important is important because they encouraged they regardless of how stressed they were probably with work or wanting to get food on the table what have you they always made time Mm -hmm. they shared their their passion their skills and their knowledge with us and it was a natural thing like just so natural we'd all like and we're quite a sociable family and I think because to me that was the norm I, I didn't even think twice about how I would be with the girls and how I would bring them up and how I would share how you know how I deal with food and all of that mm. it's a it's a life skill and I think it's something so important to be able to feed yourself and feed others and just to taste things how they are differently cooked raw and just you're constantly learning and you know, I hate to use the word passionate because everyone's passionate about everything they do these days. But, you know, food is just something, you know, it's part of my upbringing. And it's not just fuel. I so do not look at food as fuel by any length. It's something more than that. Mm-hmm. And showing the girls what I know and getting them involved. And they learn. You can do so much through being in the kitchen and cooking and food and stuff. And as you saw, you saw, I mean, they were a bit nuts this afternoon, to be fair to them both. But they both wanted to help. They both wanted to have equal part in, mm. in the Welsh cakes. And it's, they're both brilliant eaters. And I know they will continue to be like that, continue to be inquisitive. And, you know, Mary's really good in the kitchen. Her knife skills are pretty top-notch, I have to say. Well, her presentation skills are pretty good as well, actually. And, and I think there might be an opening there for a children's oh, cookery programme. Oh, she was in her element. She was hilarious. It was a totally unprompted her. So today we're making pick her up. <laughs> I think she obviously listens to me on the radio or watches the show and has just picked it up. And she just, mm. again... Because I don't make a fuss about what I do. She just sees it normal. Mm. And I guess we should <laughs> point out for anyone who isn't familiar that Becca is, is basically the Nigella of Wales. <laughs> um, and ha- what series of your show are we up to now? Uh, series four. Series four, yeah. plus the Christmas specials. Yeah, so we do, uh, we've done two. We've got a third coming up for Christmas specials. Uh, all over the radio, demoing up and down the length of the country supporting national energy programs <laughs> and and secret projects that we may or may not be able to speak about now. Uh, no. Watch this space. As soon as we are able to speak about it, I will let you know. But yeah, so it seems that Mary had certainly picked up something from watching <laughs> watching her mum. But I think that's really essential, isn't it? Because actually we've got this five year old girl who is seeing her mum do all of these different things, you know, that you're working and cooking, you're creating your own career, you're engaging with television companies and all sorts of things. And that's going to be set an example for her as she goes forward in her life. I mean, is that something you want her to see, that this kind of multifaceted role? You know, I had 
fantastic parents. I have fantastic parents. They're amazing. They're fantastic role models um, as good parents, but also as hard-working people who have, you know, worked hard to get where they are in their careers. Dad still works, mum is retired. And I remember, again, you know, Nan and Mamgi would often come to look after us for two, three, four, you know, three weeks when mum and dad were both away doing different projects. But I never thought anything, you know, anything bad of that. You know, I just knew that mum was filming or dad was working away or filming. And you saw how hard they both worked. And you saw how much they loved their work. Mm-hmm. But then I remember them also being fantastic parents and trying to do as much as they can with us. You know, dad was away a lot in the week or he'd be working long hours. But the weekends then, fond memories of the weekends with, you know, family time. And I think... You know, Mam has always said, you know, without Nan, without Mam Gee, I couldn't have worked. And so whatever opportunities you have to work, I will be here to help and support you with the girls. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do half the things I do because it's it's difficult. Hats off to, the, to those women who work full time in careers that they want to do and they have children because it's not easy. And if people think it is easy, then they are fooled because it's not. But if you want to do all of that, then you just you basically don't sleep because I don't sleep much no but I think I want to set the girls a good example of someone who is career driven but not kind of takes over the life because what's good with what I do it's so varied and so not flexible but it's very varied and I don't work Monday to Friday time you know at this time to this time it means I can do school drop-offs and pickups. It means I can do the ballet lessons. It means I can do the swimming lessons. But it also means I get to go away filming for a few days. Then, I, you know, I get to go teach cookery. I get to go do radio stuff. And it's it's tough. Don't get me wrong. And what also isn't a big help, <laughs> although he is when he's here, is my husband because he's in the army and he doesn't live home. So we did used to live together in an army accommodation, but we decided that we wanted to buy our own home so that the girls would have a good routine, that they wouldn't be taken in and out of education. Uh, so we bought our civvy house, as we would say. Uh, but that means that Matt only comes home on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So in the week, it's kind of like I have to be normal, as in even if I find it's difficult that I'm tired or you know work is, is a lot on, um, I still have to kind of put on the front that... It's normal because it is normal and you just have to get around and you just have to juggle and adjust as you go along. And then when Matt's home on the weekend, it's kind of like I can breathe a little bit because mm. I've got someone here to help. But it is tough. But I know that we're setting really good examples to the girls. You know, we both love our jobs. We both work hard, but we try and make family life as important. So family time, weekend time is very important and we try and do as much as we can mm. as our little unit. Mm. I have um, another close friend whose partner is in the army. I think I would say of both of you, but certainly having known you for a few years, I would describe you not just as um, strongly independent, but kind of fiercely <laughs> independent. That you stubborn, almost, almost. Stub- stubborn. Um, <laughs> that you you very much want to be the person defining you, you know. I think <laughs> oh, that's fair to say. So good. <laughs> oh my goodness me. And I think that that comes up against some of what might be considered the traditional approach to being a military wife. That often with military families that I know and maybe you can tell me how right or wrong I am on this, that it's 
well, of course, it's very much dictated by the army and the schedules and the requirements and mm. what the military need from you. And that the family then, whether it's one partner or the other who's in the military, really has to accommodate that. And so I always found it interesting. I wondered how you manage those kinds of sacrifices, kind of giving up yeah. an element of control over your life when I know <laughs> that control over your life is, is yes. something that's really important to you. I am a slight control freak, I, I always admit that. It's difficult, like, being a military wife, military life stop is difficult because, as you rightly pointed out, they dictate. And I can understand why some wives just decide to give up the career that they wanted to do because it is tough because they're the men how do I say this their army is their life and from the army you get from you know you get a home you get welfare and in that sense that's why some some of the wives will kind of stop their career because you move with your husband because they're not as flexible as you mm-hmm. now that is tough because a you're giving up big part of who you are if you have children it's tough because you're moving a lot and so they're in and out of different schools your friends um you know you pick up friends here then everywhere and you often move away from family your support network but a plus side is the support network you get from being a military wife is amazing like I've got some lifelong friends who scares me sometimes I've only known for four years because like some of them I I don't know what I would do without them and I think think back we got married seven years ago January and I'm like looking at some wedding person going how were you not at my wedding because I didn't even know you then but it feels like that they should have been at my wedding and so when for example I was pregnant with Mary Matt was on a course and I was living on the army estate and I had a lot of friends around me and I remember my friend Amy saying oh just let me know if you go into the labour into the middle of the night I'll just just call me and I'll come round and a lot of us would be you know we know what it's like because you can go and help a friend quicker than getting the husband to come because it's not as flexible Mm -hmm. and that's one thing so going back to the control freak thing yes I am a massive control (laughs) freak I know you laugh but with the army you have to totally just you just have to let it go over your head. Don't get me wrong. Every time Matt says a date or a time or something, and I still go, oh, yes, he's going to be home that date. Or he's going to be home that time. Or he'll be home just in time to pick Marriott from school. And often he'll say, sorry, I'm not going to be back till eight o'clock tonight. And my heart sinks because I'm a bit like, oh, but you said you'd be back at two. Oh, Mary. I didn't tell Mary because I, just in case, but oh, Mary, Mary's face when she sees Matt pick her up from school, it, it just makes me like, cry because it melts your heart because they miss him so much but you also and I remember her going well he's not going to be home at that time because I know what it's like Mm -hmm. and it's difficult because it's not just a job the army isn't just a normal job it's something more than that to them it's it's a life and it's helped give Matt the life that he now lives that he loves and he I don't see him in any other job and so that's the one element of my life that I kind of have to be flexible with you just have to let it go over your head mm-hmm. yes I'll have the moment of going to Matt oh this is so annoying he says I know and I can't do anything about it I said I know and that's the most annoying thing that you can't do anything about it and then I kind of just go okay move on mm. because if, if, if you let it eat at you then it, it'll just I think that's when some couples go into issues when they just can't let it go so with the army and with all that I mm. try and let it go over my head as much as I can 
there's a um, there's a DBT dialectical behaviour therapy skill and it's a mindfulness school called Radical Acceptance which sounds a lot like that we being an army of... wife <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> you just say there's nothing I can do about you literally that, and that's the thing you kind of I, I do this so I'll speak to my one of my, my best army wife buddies Vicky so she works full time like me she also lives in a saving house with her two boys and her husband is posted away so she mm-hmm. is exactly like me she also is a bit of a nutter in the fitness area and a foodie so we get on like a house of fire but you kind of have that ah moment for literally 10-15 seconds and then you're just like ah, mm. don't let it bother you move on and I've learned that. Matt and I have been together 10 years, so. Do you think that it really takes another army wife or husband to understand what it's like? like do your civvy friends really understand the experience? Or do you think there is something very particular and peculiar about being an army wife that forges those bonds? There is a special bond, definitely. I mean, civvy friends. It's funny saying it like that. But civvy <laughs> friends, school friends... They understand to a point, and they're brilliant. You're all brilliant. Cheers. But, <laughs> you know, you only have to look at an army wife or mention, like, a word or a terminology, and they'll just know. You'll just have the emoji eye-rolled, kind of sent back to you type thing. And, I mean, there is something special, and I can't put it into words, but there is something special because, like I said, you know, for example, Vicky, Sam, Heather, those girls, Sarah, like, all of them, like, you've known each other for, like, three, four years, but because you've been through a lot together in those three, four years, and we don't even live by each other now. Like, one of them is in Blackpool, the other is in Devizes, I'm here in Cardiff, one is in Aldershot. But you just, you've got a good bond, and you know you can call upon any of them to drop the hat, and mm. they'll just know. And also, if you just want to vent, kind of army, if you want to have a longer 15 minutes, 15 second rant at someone, you call up an army wife. And you just vent, and then they go, "Do you feel better now?" He's like, "Yes, thank you." Fine. Same time next week, type thing. And I, that's the one thing. It's funny. Obviously, having a uh, civvy house in Cardiff is amazing because it's where I'm from, and I love being back. But you haven't got the patch around you. You haven't got the the community. You so, means that rather than living in military housing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when Matt was away and I was on my own with the girls in the house in the army accommodation you have your wives your community your support network although I'm not alone here because my parents are down the road and stuff it's not it's slightly different again it's so difficult to put into words but it's just sometimes like when friends in and around the area aren't around to do something and you're just a little bit lonely which happens very rarely it's just like ah if I was on the patch now I could have called this person mm. or done that or I would have just taken the girls over to so and so's house had a sleepover blah, blah, blah. And they would have been like, yeah, come on over, yeah, it's mm. fine. And I know you say it happens very rarely, but I also know that you're someone who doesn't complain very much. But does it get lonely at times? Uh, do you know what? I'm quite a busy person. And I think because, again, because I'm so busy with work. So, yes, I've got the, the show. Um, I teach cookery. I do some writing. I often work so that I can do all the lovely stuff with the girls in the day I often do work in the evenings mm-hmm. and so you know I may have a oh it'd be nice to talk to someone now oh but I've got a deadline oh I need to take a photo oh I need to do this so I'll often be up till midnight working a lot of the time so on the very rare occasions where I've got nothing on for a week and I don't have a deadline and I can't go out for a run or I can't do something just to kind of you know have me space 
and the TV is rubbish and you can't speak to your husband for some reason, then that's the point where you're a bit like, oh, I'm lonely now. And that's when you just call up a friend, call up a wife or like one of your school friends and they'll often just, you know, talk to you for an hour. Um, but I think if I was, wasn't was working, then I would probably struggle much more, definitely, because mm-hmm. you're on your own. And it's just like if your husband's away on operation, you're on your own. Like here, he's only, you know, two hours down the road. And I think that's probably why I also keep myself so busy so I don't have to, you don't mm-hmm. let yourself do that. So I keep myself busy so that I know I'm fine. But it's not because I'm not trying to fill the gap. It's just because I like being busy. But in that sense, it's a distraction as well, isn't it? Yeah. From, But I couldn't, I've never been that type of person who just sits down and does nothing. Yeah, this like. is the longest I've sat for a long time, you know. <laughs> it is. Doing very well. Uh, thank you. I'm quite comfortable, to be fair. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So thinking about food, because I was wondering when you were describing how central food was when you were growing up and how your parents almost went out of their way to involve you in things that they could easily have just kind of shooed you away from. Do you think now looking back on it that that was a way of perhaps compensating for the times when they were away, that they wanted to spend as much time with you and Gareth as possible and that it was really important for you to be involved in family life as much as possible or, or not? Um, I, not massively. I think for Dad it was a bit more because he did work much longer hours and he was away sometimes longer. And I also just think he just enjoyed our company and just wanted us to be with him in the kitchen. Like, I remember Saturday mornings, I remember I would used to get up quite early with him. He'd make me a cup of tea, put me in front of the TV until he was, you know, a bit more human to do stuff. <laughs> and, you know, he'd ask if I wanted waffles. You wouldn't often speak in those moments, you know, just to say, pass the flower, we need that, you know. It wasn't like we were having a bonding moment in a kind of a conversational way. It was just spending time together. And as I got older, I was allowed to go with him on different trips to help him. 
and it was just just being in each other's company I suppose mm-hmm. um, but I also think they loved food as well and I think to them it was a, not a stress relief but it was just a hobby that they enjoyed doing and it's kind of one of those I think we've all been brought up quite similar so dad and mum obviously separate families brought up and luckily both Nan and Mam Gee passed down to them cooking skills and all of that and it's just a nice pastime to do kind of mm. quite therapeutic in a way mm. and I think because you mentioned that I had mentioned earlier on <laughs> how you you know quickly threw together these Welsh cakes and it wasn't just that I was saying oh you know how to do it oh it was simple but also I think you take for granted how natural it comes yeah. to you because I think in the two or three hours when I was here you made a batch of Welsh cakes pizza dough and two pizzas and wasn't there something else lunch for the girls lunch, lunch for the girls like, that there were two or three things going on in the kitchen all at once as well as looking after the girls and I think it's so innate for you that I think perhaps you don't notice yes. how natural it is which is lovely and I think that's an extraordinary thing to be passing on to your daughters because I think it absolutely is about passing on life skills that they will be able to both feed themselves but find pleasure in the process of cooking which I think a lot of people find really difficult. I did have a question about meal times when Matt is away because quite quite often (laughs) um, quite often on your Instagram feed and we'll put all links um, in the show notes for anybody who wants to follow Becca on Instagram. But quite often you'll you'll post your solo suppers. <laughs> and is that important for you? Because I think it would be easy if you're just cooking for yourself. It's easy for someone to just do something very simple or very quick or maybe nothing at all. Is it important for you to sit down and have a proper meal when it's you at home, the girls are already in bed and Matt's away? So often at supper times, once the girls are in bed, it's me time. And so if I haven't got any work to do, I will try and make myself something. I'll often try and make myself, you know, as in the evenings as much as I can, make something nice. Make a fuss. Because as you quite rightly say, when you're on your own and, you know, you've sorted everything else that you need to do, fed your kids, your pets, whatever you've done, and it's your turn to be fed because you always put yourself last in these situations... Like, oh, I'll just have a bit of toast or I'll have a bowl of cereal or I'll have a cup of tea or, as you say, nothing. That was me to a point up until a few years ago, probably. And then I started to think about my well-being and putting myself first and making sure that I was eating properly as well. Because, yes, it's great telling the girls to eat properly and giving them good examples of when they're awake. But if I'm not doing the same when I'm asleep, then I won't be able to function properly I won't be able to look after them properly I won't get the sleep that I need especially if I'm up late working and so it made me really think about how I look after myself I think it was probably around the time where I had Alice and you know I was have I had a toddler to look after I had a newborn and Matt was in Canada for three months mm-hmm. and it, it you kind of have to go you need to be good because if you're not good Matt's not here who are the girls got to to you know look up look after them and I mean don't get me wrong I would often make myself meals I like, remember at university having come back from travelling and whip up a, ma- a nasi goreng for me to have type thing so I love nasi goreng and just look at things and like oh I fancy trying that so just making it I think I started putting stuff on Instagram and on um, social media about my solo suppers because I think a lot of people know that I'm a military wife. I don't bang on about it, but it's obviously a big part of my life now. Um, 
and they obviously know that I'm on my own and I think people sometimes think oh she's probably having fish fingers or something which I do love Delicious I do fingers. love a fish finger fish sandwich fish finger sandwich oh my goodness glorious <laughs> but I also think like it's, I want people to know that it's not difficult to make something tasty and and so I just thought I'd start to take photos about what I was eating and just post a really short recipe literally like you know the ingredients because it is that easy and I know I shouldn't take things for granted it's how like and we were taught that you open the cupboard and you make whatever's there and I think when you're on your own you just need to look after yourself and like if that's your only time of the day where it's just you and your time and you want something nice to eat you know when the weather's horrible I'm sitting where you're sat now normally Kimberly holding one of my bowls the bowl I had my lunch in actually is a favourite and I'll, I'll just want it filled with something that I know is comforting, that won't have taken long to make, and they'll just make me feel good. Mm-hmm. So a favourite is a dal. Actually, dal and rice is an absolute favourite. The lentils I had for lunch is a favourite too. Yeah, make a fuss of yourself. I just could, I also couldn't bear the thought of having toast every night or cereal. It winds me up when I hear people say, oh, I had a bowl of cereal for supper. I'm like, oh, no student. <laughs> like, sometimes I know it takes time and preparation and you haven't got you know the time or the inclination to do it during the day but I try and think ahead it doesn't happen every night I'm by no means perfect don't get me wrong I am very partial to an Indian takeaway but if I if I think a plan ahead which I do often with my meals I think about breakfast obviously the lunch especially with the girls what we're having and their suppers so as you said I made pizzas for the girls earlier and if we hadn't have gone out tonight we would have had homemade pizzas or I would have made you know Mm -hmm. something and so sometimes I'll soak some rice or some spelt or some form of grain to have and then I know that's the the bit of the meal that I know is going to take the longest and then I've often got in my freezer chicken thighs there's tuna you know, there's something there, there's feta, there's vegetables. I know there's something there that I can quickly just chop and mix together and I'll appreciate it more. Like, I'll feel better about myself that I'm sat here on my own and I've got something good, wholesome to mm. eat that I'm really enjoying as well. Because I love food. I do. Food is love. It's, do you know what kind of meal times Matt will be having because it's interesting to contrast what your experience is at home with oh yes how he'll be eating or what he'll, his meal times will look like when he's away or on an exercise or on deployment it's funny sometimes I don't tell him what I'm eating because I know it'll make him jealous <laughs> uh, so if I'm making a roast chicken dinner for the girls he's like oh man and uh, so for example this evening I took Kimberly to one of my favourite restaurants and I told Matt where we went and he got very upset that we went there without him especially at the minute I know at the minute he's out I think he's having hot rations so it's not too bad hot rations is they have uh, a cook so you go grab your meals instead of having like like a a ration box kitchen not necessarily they may have a cookhouse that they go into so it's not necessarily like a field kitchen setup. Uh, but I also know that the food don't get me wrong the food in camp can be really good but it's not home. I think that's the main difference. He's 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 living married and accompanied, which means he's in a single man room, like a student digs, so like single bed, mm-hmm. bathroom, and then you go downstairs to have your meals in the cookhouse or in the, the mess. And so it's fine. It keeps him going, breakfast, lunch, supper, what have you. But it's not home. Mm. It's not sitting with us around our table. It's not having, you know a nice meal out of a bowl on the sofa next to me watching a film or something and I think that's the thing 
when he's in work, food is fuel, definitely. Mm-hmm. As I was saying, to me, food is not fuel. Food mm-hmm. is food. At work for him, food is fuel. And as soon as he comes home, as you pointed out earlier, he likes to cook too. He's not like me. He's not an intuitive cook. He's not a, oh, I'm just going to have this and I'll make it up. Oh, I haven't got that ingredient. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just use this. He, he needs a recipe to follow. But boy, can he follow a recipe well. <laughs> and does he make good food? And I think he likes that. He, he likes to come home having been in the mess all week. And he thinks, he often thinks about what he wants to make. So the last thing he made was the sweet and sour pork thing with egg fried rice. And he really thought about it for a few days. And, you know, he wants to go out and do the food shop and he doesn't want me in the kitchen. <laughs> I know I can be a little bit overbearing in the kitchen. So I make sure I'm like, okay, well, if you need me, just shout. And so I'll just sit here and I find it quite odd. I'm sat in the living room and he'll come in after often. He'll say, can you just check this for me? Or no, 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 no. Why do you think it's so important for him that, he come home and cook something. Because he's never really had a proper home in that sense because the army, you move around a lot. But mm-hmm. because his parents divorced quite young, he was between homes. And I think when he comes home, he feels like this is home. Mm-hmm. And he's feeding his family. And again, going back to what I was saying about my parents, I think it's a therapeutic thing. You know, you're home, you're in the kitchen, you've got the radio on, you're cooking, your mind is switched off almost. And I think you make a really important point about the context of food, because I think it's really easy to to make that throwaway comment, I think, that food is fuel. What this podcast is all about is really um, challenging that idea, because I think no matter how you think about food, you have a relationship with it. Yes. And it has a relationship with you. And I think the the context of food within the relationship is so important in the way that you describe it. So actually what he misses when you talk to him in the evenings yeah. is not just the food that's in the bowl or on the plate, but that it's in the context of the relationships, yeah. that this is where his children are, this is where his wife is, this is what they're eating together. They're having yeah. the same meal together in your home and and he's somewhere else eating something yeah. else. Maybe he's with friends, you know, it's not necessarily a kind of sad sob story, but it's not where his family And it's is. one of the things, so I often ask him when he's away and he's been away for at least a month I go so what's your home on this date what meal do you want because that's the type of thing I remember mum asking me when I was away when I was younger it's like what meal do you want because you do think like when you're away from home you think about things and you think about oh I love so his is honey roast ham mash vegetables and parsley sauce it's quite a comforting mm-hmm. thing mine used to be roast chicken like gravy, potatoes, all the trimmings. Again, it was a comforting thing and it reminds you of home. And I think that's when you're in the army or in the forces and you're deployed away and you think about home, it's just little things like that, the favourite meal, something to look forward to. Because, again, when you're away like that, it, it food is fuel in that sense, but it's also so much more than that. It's the connection to family and just the the, the family unit... Do you send stuff up to him or send him away I with have, food? I have sent care packages. So um, sometimes he'll come home and he'll have requests from people. Welsh cakes being top of the list, funnily enough. Um, yeah, I've done stuff for him to take back, often cakes. and so It was easier when we were living, obviously, in camp. I have sent him brownies to Canada before. So I obviously made them, baked them overnight, baked them, let them cool overnight, packaged them up, posted them the following morning. And 
they got to him quite quickly and he didn't share them with anyone. He kept them in the box and just had one. And like, that's the thing with the brownies, they lasted quite long, mm. actually. Biscotti is very good for lasting long. Um, and I had yeah some wives asking me what would be good to send away. Because again, that's something special. Like it's nice, obviously, receiving an email or what have you, a phone mm. call, but having some like home cooked, something like a treat, like a brownie to nibble on every so often, mm. is just like cause they know that you made it and you've put the effort in to make sh- package it up and send it over. Yeah, because it, it it conjures up all of those images, doesn't it? Not just of home, but that there you are. He can perhaps picture you in the kitchen and how you would have yeah. been making it, what you would have been doing. Would you what music he would have been listening to, and it's those images that are as comforting as the food itself, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's what I mean when I say that there's so much symbolism in food because it's what it brings to mind when you're eating it yes. or when you receive it, when you smell it. That is as important as the nutrients in it or you know the the flavour of it. Always not thinking of nutrients, definitely not. <laughs> But it's, as you say, it's this, the connection, the smell, the taste. It takes you back. So I remember having my brownies when we were first dating back in my London flat. Um, and they were a frequently requested recipe as well. So was food part of your courtship? Was, that, was it the way to his heart? No, do you know you? what? Our first, so after our second date, we had takeaway pizza in a film. Quite old school, actually. Our first date was just drinks. Second date was takeaway pizza in the film. Um, but I did. I think I did cook for him quite soon after. But it wasn't one of the first things I did. Getting to know the person. Need to know if I if I like him enough before I let him in my kitchen. <laughs> it's an important place. And what kind of of cook are you? I mean, are you freewheeling, or do you like to be kind of precise? Oh, I'm not precise in the slightest. Uh, I think it depends on what I'm doing. So when I'm just cooking normally day to day, you know, breakfast, lunch, suppers, what have you, I'm total freewheeler, very easy, very flexible, will adapt things, taste things as I go to make sure that it, you know, is good. Um, the only time I'm precise is when I'm doing cakes for special occasions or trying to do like, a, if I'm do it catering for an event or in a pop-up what have you and I have in my head an image of something I want to finish it to that level I am I am a Libra a a tad perfectionist massively perfectionist (laughs) like I'm not gonna lie I know what I'm like I remember when we were on on the bake-off and I think I think a lot of us were quite cautious about talking about our ambitions I think you know, I think that there was something about kind of scoping people out, but also not wanting to appear too much. And what I loved about you was that you just stood in front of the camera and went, yes, I want to win. And you just kind of owned it. And it was magnificent. And, oh, I should have thought what you were going to say that. And I could like, see the fire in your eyes. And it was... It was awesome, actually. Well, you don't go into a competition wanting to come last, do you? You go in wanting to do the best that you can. But I think not everybody wears their ambition as boldly as you. Oh, I'm so competitive, though. Massively competitive. And I, that comes into a lot of what I do. Although, when you say that, I, and I agree with you, we were a bit cautious in how we were. Although I did say I wanted to win, I still wanted to win. Um, it's very much, you do scope each other out. I hope I wasn't cocky when I said that. A bit concerned now. No, no, I don't think no. you were at all. Good. But we were very supportive, mm. definitely. 
And there was this kind of quiet competitiveness, like especially as the weeks went on, wasn't it? Yeah. But then it got to a point where we were all a bit like, nobody leave, no, everybody wins, we're all winners. And also, oh my God, I'm so tired, I kind of just want it to be over. I know, it's just like, are we still here? Are we still here? I think one of the, I think the moment that I realised that you and I were kindred spirits <laughs> was the night when, I can't remember which week it was, but it was coming up to dinner time and everyone was trying to work out whether they were going to eat in the hotel oh, or whether Oh, we yeah, fannying around. And we looked at each other and went, fancy Thai? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that yes. was it. We were on a mission. <laughs> God, we, we frog-marched up that hill, didn't we? We researched where we could get a Thai takeaway from, frog-marched up there, got it in our foil packets, frog-marched back, literally kind of barely said goodnight to each other, <laughs> sat in our separate rooms... And also, though, and I I knew this as well, when we were ordering the same food, we'd go to the same... When we went to, for suppers out with the mm-hmm. team and we were going to the restaurants, and we'd look, oh, this sounds nice. And we'd look at each other and go, uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. good. Are you going to have that? Yeah, yeah. And I think... I don't, I don't want to read too much into it. <laughs> but I think there's something... There is... I certainly felt a bond over, yeah. over food with you. And we're like, yeah, we really like the same things. Yeah. And Definitely. I think that there's something about a shared enjoyment of food and then sometimes a shared enjoyment of the same foods that does create its own bond and its own yeah. link and a kind of um, sense of familiarity almost. Yeah. It's kind of like, we have similar tastes. Does that mean yeah. we have other things in common as well? I think that's the thing. I think when you look at, and I remember looking at you going, oh, we've got quite similar tastes here. I think I like her. <laughs> like... It's one of those, it's kind of the, it's a trusting moment. So I was like, yeah, I think we're going to get on. I think there was a couple of music, like we had similar taste in music as well. Mm. And I remember also thinking that I loved your flavour combinations. So the first couple of weeks on the show, again, we were scoping each other, everyone was scoping each other out, you know, competitiveness and skill level mm-hmm. and all of that. But I just remember hearing, so some of your flavour combinations. So there was the wild garlic pesto you did, which I love, which you wrote down for me. But do you know what? Do you know what made me smile and which still makes me start smile and makes me think, yeah, it's the crispy chicken skin you put on top <laughs> of the phyllo pie. I was just like, damn, that's Crispy good. chicken crackling. Oh it my goodness magic. me. It was magic. <laughs> it was like, oh, so good. So good. I think that's probably a good place to stop. I mean, I, I feel like we've covered an awful lot. So yes. I feel like that was so cathartic. <laughs> it's really good. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners? About anything? <laughs> about anything. Is this my chance to plug stuff, is it? If you want to, <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't know. Do you know what I... What, um, makes me want to pinch myself is if you asked me as a little girl so I remember one Christmas I wanted the plastic kitchen okay on wheels did you, you know those I had one about? yeah for sure obviously <laughs> and I wanted it and I, I played with it until it literally broke like it was in the middle of the kitchen in mam's way and if anybody asked me what I wanted to be when I, when I grew up I would always say chef absolutely like that's how important food was for me. It wasn't just a role play thing. It was what I wanted to do, and didn't quite go straight into it. Kind of went down the arts routes, which I'm 
I, I don't regret anything I've done, never regret anything you've done. You've done it for a reason. And now I've ended up here living out my like childhood dream. And that makes me kind of giggle like a schoolgirl because I'm doing it. But I just want to pinch myself. And I just, I love it. I love what I do. I love being in the kitchen. I love food. And I just, long may it live. And the adventures that we you know, went through in that tent and I'm grateful for going on that show, meeting you to start with and putting me here. And it's all because of food. And it's just it's just lush, it is. It's a beautiful sentiment. I love that. And um you will be kind enough to be sharing your Welsh cake recipe. Yes, of course. So any listener who wants to make Becca's grandmother's Welsh cake recipe that will be linked in the show notes and you can join in the family tradition. Thanks again to Becca for hosting and feeding me and to Mary and Alice for their contributions too. You can find and follow Becca on social media where she has been very organised and is Becca Line Perkis. That's B-E-C-A-L-Y-N-E-P-I-R-K-I-S on Facebook Twitter and Instagram, we will be able to check out all of her solo suppers and some of her expertly crafted macarons. I'll add all of the links to her social accounts and her television programme into the show notes so you can check them all out for yourself. Which only leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.